Welcome back to I Want to Be A here on LJN Radio. In this podcast, we're bringing you experts to discuss a variety of fields and how to succeed in them. This is the second part of I Want to Be a Freelance Photographer with our guest, Amy Tunsing, a photographer who's done work for National Geographic magazine for more than a decade. As we pick up the discussion, Amy explains how she acquires clients and obtains work and offers up some great advice for the aspiring photographers out there. Well, you brought up that you've had you know, a number of different clients and um, obviously people hear the big name National Geographic, so they, you know, that's the one they're probably drawn to the most. But in terms of as you mentioned, always looking to find work because you're considered freelance, obviously, and and you're trying to come up with your own, uh, you know, your own work, your own clients, that sort of thing. How does that go down in terms of the process? I mean, are you interviewing for positions essentially? Are you are you pitching stories all over the place? Uh, just for those who maybe don't understand that side of things, or maybe might have an interest in it down the road, what does that look like for you in trying to you know accumulate work over the course of a year? Right. Well, to answer that question would be different for every freelance photographer, sure. and it's kind of the $100 million question, too, because <laughs> it's, really, it's really hard to get that work. Mm-hmm. Right now, you know, the, in the industry, assignments, editorial assignments, when I say editorial, I mean for, like, journalistic publications, are down, like, 80%. Wow. You know, it's, it's, really, it's a really tough landscape right now. Mm-hmm. And just editorial assignments are almost non-existent. It's just really hard. So a lot of freelance photojournalists are looking for commercial work or corporate work. So that might be shooting for uh, a college or a university and doing public relations photography or working for a foundation or a company. A lot of the private sector stuff uh, Still has work, although it's very competitive. Right. And then a lot of journal- journalists like myself use the money you make from that to do the work that's important to you. Sadly, um, <laughs> I mean it's not sad because it's it's wonderful work to do, but it's really hard to make enough money to be taking care of that real hard work that you want to do. Sure. Like for instance, I just did a Kickstarter campaign to go do a project in Africa. Okay. And I raised money that way because I really wanted to do it and I knew that there was no way anybody was going to hire me to do it. Right. So I tapped into my community and uh, worked with a nonprofit on the ground in Africa to document urban refugee children for a month. And it was great, but it's not sustainable because there's no fees involved. It was only paid expenses. So, you know, I, I, I know that doesn't really answer your question. I, I, I think on the most basic level, you only get work in this industry by the work that you've done, not by training or saying you've done this number of years learning how to use your camera. It's right. really all they all that people want to see is the work that you have. So your portfolio is everything. And the way to get started and to move forward in the industry is to build your portfolio. And sometimes you have to just go out and do the work and not get paid because you're not going to get paid to do the work until people see that you can actually do the work. Sure. No, I mean, it, it makes sense and it's consistent with things, you know, obviously before we, uh, before we were able to chat today, you had mentioned sort of the plight and the, the, the struggles in this industry. And so obviously I read a lot of things um, similar to that. You did bring up the aspect of, you know, training and the, the education side of things maybe a little bit. I mean, is that still an aspect that people, 
need to acquire. They need to have an educational background to it. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, the portfolio is going to be the most important thing as far as getting work. But uh, what's your advice in terms of an educational side of things, particular schools or anything like that? Um, you know, honestly, you really don't need it. Really? <laughs> I've never had to produce. <laughs> I, I have a master's in visual communication, okay. so I'm pretty, I'm pretty overschooled on it, but I've never been asked to show that. Because it's ever. just so much about your work and what, you've, what you is. can produce. It really is. But I will say that, you know, I, I went to grad school after I had worked professionally for about four or five years. Okay. And I'm really happy that I went at that time. I, it, it wouldn't, I wouldn't choose to go to undergrad and then go straight to grad school. I think really what makes a good photographer, which really is saying what makes a good communicator, because this could apply to being a writer or a photographer, is you really have to have something to say. And it's not about, the skills are important. I don't want to disregard them entirely, but really what makes somebody successful or stand out is when they have a voice and they have something to say. And so, you know, one of the really well-known director of photographers for National Geographic, Tom Kennedy, said once, you know, don't go to school for photography, go to school for economics, go to school for poetry, <laughs> for writing, you know, go, go, go learn about the, the masters of, of um, literature or learn about economics so that you can tell the story of humanity so that you understand it better. And that's, anybody can learn how to use a camera. It's, it's not hard. It, it is important again, but it, what's most important is that you have something to say. Mm-hmm. So I was happy that I went back to grad school after I had sort of gotten something to say. Right. And it did help quite a bit. Um, you know, it's nice to be in a community of other photographers and the networking is helpful uh, with going to schools because it can be pretty lonely out there. And it also gave me a focus uh, to do my own work for a year and a half. So there's value to it, but it, not a, in the same way as like if you're training to be, you know, maybe a, a nurse or a doctor or something mm-hmm. like that. You don't have to have those certificates. I think that makes sense. And especially you talk about the art side of things. And uh, as you mentioned, if clients are really just interested in the work you've done, as you said, you, you've never been asked to produce any sort of degree or anything like that, I take it. Never. <laughs> yeah. So, as you mentioned, <laughs> okay. we're not we're not disparaging the educational side of things. There are obviously important elements to that, but uh, you know, focusing on the work obviously sounds like the key. So, with that in mind, obviously, not everybody is necessarily going to get to a, a point where they're uh, you know pitching things to to major publications. But you have to start somewhere, obviously. So, what advice would you give to some individuals out there in terms of getting things going? Somehow, creating a portfolio. Is it just Working with friends and family, is it just taking some, you know, photos at, you know, at random and trying to, to hone your skills? What would be your advice for really the beginners out there? Well, that's where I would say some of the educational components can be helpful because it, it, it gives you a focus and a structure. Mm-hmm. You know, there's workshops that, you know, you have, it's good to have a deadline and to have to produce work for something. Uh, but if you're a really self-motivated person, I would say, you know, Go find a story and work on it, and then, and also find find a mentor to look at your work to give you feedback. And and again, that's where the educational component, whether it's a workshop or or doing some sort of program, can be really helpful too, because then you're getting feedback mm-hmm. on your work. But you want to just 
how, whatever it takes, you want to put yourself in a position and know yourself well enough to know how much discipline you need and how much guidance you need. Um, but put yourself in a position where you're really shooting all the time and and making making stories, putting stories together with pictures. And that's really what's going to, if you want to do work for a publication like National Geographic, which you know is very competitive, but there's that's a genre of work, uh, you really have to be a storyteller with pictures, which means learning how to study something and, and put a, a visual story together. It's not about single making one great single image. It's about learning how to be a journalist and tell a story with pictures. So I, I guess that if whatever it takes to put yourself in a position to to work on something for a long period of time and really study it and go back to your subject over and over and over again and get feedback on the pictures you're making. Sure. Obviously, all the things we've talked about you know the the idea of really being there and having a, a passion and a love for it uh, is is obvious in these situations. You talked a little bit about maybe some of the challenges out there. Are there any other sort of items you would want to mention or any myths you'd want to dispel of of things that you know people need to know if they're going to try to get into this as a, a serious industry, whether it be in terms of the work itself or any other aspects that you think um as I said, maybe they're a little misguided in terms of how some individuals think or just some of the other challenges that arise. Well, I would say a lot of a question that I get often, as you can imagine, is how do you get to be a Nat Geo photographer? Mm-hmm. And I guess I would say, you know, I'm always trying to answer that differently because it's a really hard question to just answer. Sure. It's a lifetime of, of work. <laughs> but I, I guess for me, the goal isn't to be a Nat Geo photographer. You really have to just want to be a photographer. Um, the publication that you work for can't be the primary goal. Mm-hmm. And this is my opinion. Maybe it is for some people, but for me, that's not sustainable. What's sustainable is that you want to tell stories and you love photography and you and you want to tell stories with photography. And where it gets published is you know, brilliant, that's great if it's at National Geographic or if it's in your local paper. It's, no matter what, it's, a, it's, it's beautiful work to do. And what's more sustainable and most important is that you love doing it and that you care about your subjects. That sounds like a great place for us to wrap things up today, Amy. We do appreciate it. Uh, obviously, it's been a, a great opportunity to speak with you with your experience and everything about, obviously, the knowledge and experience you have with the industry of photography itself. And uh, we just appreciate your insight. So thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. And that is our expert, Amy Tunsing, a talented and well-respected photographer, probably most notably recognized for her work in National Geographic magazine. But of course, as, uh, as we've been talking about, you can take pride in all the work that any of you accomplish out there. So that will do it for us today on I Want to Be a Freelance Photographer here on LJN Radio. We, of course, want to know from you, the listeners as well, what other types of jobs may interest you. Just email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can give us any comments or suggestions for this podcast or any of them you can hear on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.